This is the Eric Francis Show, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right. It's Monday. It's game day here at the Saddle Dome. Welcome to the Eric Francis Show. Thanks so much for joining us. We have got a treat for you today. We're going to take a trip down memory lane with a Flames radio legend. And he's not just going to join us for the first segment. He's going to join us for the entire hour. So I wholly invite everybody to go on the fan feedback line. If you've got questions, if you've got comments for Peter Marr, please, please throw them at us. Uh, it is game day here at the Saddle Dome. Philadelphia Flyers are here at 2 o'clock. Interesting note, they are starting statistically one of the greatest goaltenders in NHL lore. Is that? Am I going too far? His name is Samuel Urson. He's 5-0. and I dare say one of the most, one of the only active players in the NHL with an undefeated record. That is, I mean, that's obviously why most people will be coming down to the Dome today to see this guy who they've never heard of, uh, <laughs> see if he can continue this incredible streak. But speaking of incredible streaks, I'm going to bring on our, our guest, our only guest today. He's a Hall of Famer. He had a streak that lasted 33 years before retiring in 2014. He broadcast every single Flames game from 1980 right up into 2013 as the voice of the Calgary Flames right here on this station, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Peter Marr, thank you so much for joining me, my friend. Uh, pleasure to be with you, uh, Eric. It's a nice, uh, nice day for an afternoon family day game. Yeah, it sure is. There's a little bit of a hockey feel out there, isn't it? It's still snowing, and it's going to continue to yep. snow all day, all night, and who knows what we're going to wake up to tomorrow. All right, listen, uh, you still are in Calgary. Uh, I, I guess the first question I want to ask you, Peter, what, what keeps you busy these days? Uh, just a little bit of this, a little bit of that, doing little things, some things with the grandkids, and uh, and, uh, and then catching up with some old pals and that uh, type of thing so and i go to the odd hockey game and watch the flames and although i haven't been there since uh january 6th was the last game i went to and it was my sixth game i've seen this year but generally just uh, following things on television radio and that type of thing so um i, I not as active as i used to be by any stretch of the imagination but i managed to keep uh, fairly active do some workouts as well and uh and uh just keep moving along all right. Well, listen. We always love seeing around you, uh, seeing you around here. So get back here a little more often, would you? I, I'm fascinated that's with thing, your that's thought. That's the thing I miss the most, Derek. The is that right? Thing I miss the most is being around guys like yourself and all the other people that used to deal with in, in the media and with the Flames and all that type of thing. That's the thing you miss I most uh, since I retired. So. so you know, you hear that from former players all the time. They miss the camaraderie and the dressing room and all that. So you're. You're saying the same thing. It's just the, the the everyday interactions with all the people down here at the dome. Yeah, indeed. I mean, the one there was one day back in November, I believe it was. I went down early, and I had a coffee with Daryl and the other coaches in there. And uh, after I came out of the flame dressing room, a whole bunch of the media people were around. It was uh, it was brought back some great memories of uh, things that I miss when I'm not uh, broadcasting games now. So maybe I'll head down there more frequently in the mornings in the future. Well, we. Of course, love to see you, and you're, you're, you're pretty much the only guy in this city who would get invited back into the coach's room to have a coffee. Any media guy uh, other than you is not exactly getting that invite from Daryl and the boys these days, so you're well, a you rare you got to pick the right day, too. <laughs> <laughs> well put. With Daryl, you definitely have to pick the right day. Uh, it's funny you say that because as someone, you know, I've been in this business and I was so proud and, 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 and privileged to work alongside you for a lot of different years. Not not exactly alongside you like Mike Rogers or Doug Barkley, these guys, but 
just be in the building and be part of this this little media fraternity. And, and it's funny because I would argue, and this is kind of a side note, we've got the best group of, of – uh, of, there's such a good tight-knit group of people that cover this team right now, and it's never been that way in my almost 30 years of doing that. And, and I assume that you feel the same way in terms of about when you were with those guys, Mike Rogers, Barkley, I'm sure. You know, these are good, good pals that are lifelong buddies. Am I wrong? Yes, indeed. No question. We still get together once in a while for lunch or coffee or that, that type of thing and then reminisce about uh, what we would call the good old days. And uh, it's still great to, um, you know, fraternize with with Doug and who I worked with for so many years and uh, Mike Rogers, who uh, I worked with for the last 12 years that I was the Flame broadcaster. So we, we uh, re- recall so many of the great times that we had uh, those years and, you know, and all of the other media guys that were around at that time. You know, the late Ed Whalen, you know, certainly miss uh, not having Ed around. Uh, the games at the Saddle Dome or games on the road because he always had some great stories uh, on the sidelines there while we were watching practice or, or whatever. So, uh, you know, we certainly miss all those uh, those people that I Absolutely. was around with just about every day during the wintertime. The other thing, too, was you hang around the players a bit. You're doing – and it made me feel younger. So, even though I was old. <laughs> and now that I'm not around them every day, I do feel my years. Oh, boy. I, uh, it's, okay. it's still great to see. I saw you at the Flames Golf Tournament. I think that was the last time I saw you. And uh, still got that bounce in your step, Pete. That's that's for sure. T- tell me about – A little bit I, slower, but still bouncing, yeah. A little slower. That's okay. We're all a little slower. Uh, Bearcat. Uh, we've lost Bearcat, obviously, in the, uh, recently. And uh, I just wanted to get – when I say the name Bearcat, what, what do you think of? Oh, gosh, I can think of many, many million things. But the thing that sticks out the most with me is that a lot of times uh, on the uh, day of the game or when the Flames were practicing on an off day, Bearcat would be up on the concourse and he'd be running around the uh, the building, keeping himself in, in shape. And then if anything happened on the ice that he had to be down there for, it was amazing how quickly he could get down through the seats and back onto the ice. And, uh, of course, I also uh, remember – uh, those guys in Boston that were imitating Bearcat had his fan club, and uh, they always provided some very interesting times when the Flames would uh, go to Boston, and these guys would all show up with their uh, Bearcat mustache and uh, bald heads and that type of thing, and they adopted the Bearcat as their uh, as their favorite uh, after uh, Bearcat's son, uh, Alley Alley Cat, as we used to call him. Uh, he got into a bit of a fight in a game in Edmonton uh, one time when the puck went up into there. Excuse me, a stick went up into the stands of Gary Souter, and one of the fans there grabbed it, and uh, the Flames wanted the back, and so Ali had to Ali Cat had to go up there and fight for that and bring that down. And uh, he was having a hard time getting that done, and Bearcat <laughs> went up to help him. And, and when he in the process, he injured his ankle, I believe it was. So mm-hmm. yeah, we certainly miss old Bearcat and. Uh, it was tough bidding farewell to him at uh, the funeral service they had for him earlier this year out in Okotoks. And also that same week, uh, I was at a memorial service for uh, Bill Creighton, who was the originator of yeah. the Flames Charity Golf Tournament, along with uh, with Al Coates. So those that week was uh, a real tough week. Uh, you know, these guys had passed away after being such close friends. Absolutely. And they're good friends and great pillars in this community. Both of them left quite a legacy. And uh, that was a tough week. I remember that for sure. Uh, when when you look back, you, you mentioned that you miss the camaraderie the most, and what what don't you miss? Uh, I don't miss the travel. I figured. <laughs> 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 it's, it's kind of funny. It was uh, 
I flew to Toronto this year for the um, the Hall of Fame ceremony. We get invited every year to go there. So this past year, I went. I would have liked to have gone the year before, with the year that uh, Jerome was uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame. But with COVID being the way it was, it decided against that. Yeah. But uh, that was the first time that I had traveled since COVID started. So I was thinking, you know, here's a guy like me that used to travel all the time and uh, have gone about three years now without uh, traveling very much. So that that is uh, that is really different. But I certainly didn't. Uh, didn't enjoy traveling uh, all that much as we did, especially when you get home about uh, three or four in the morning, and then I have to do a radio show on uh, on the fan nine sixty here at eight o'clock. So, it was, uh, but that was the one thing that I didn't uh, like particularly well. I also also reminisce. People ask me what was the favorite uh, broadcast location or broadcast place to do a game from, and I used to say the uh, the old Chicago Stadium. And uh, the only thing I didn't like about that one was that you had to walk up 273 steps to get to the uh, the broadcast booth in that building. And when you get there, though, it was a great uh, it was a great vantage point of watching the game, and also with the excitement that was in that old building uh, back in in the day. So um, you know, those are, those are things that that you like, but then you didn't like all that walking up the steps. Even the players in uh, in Chicago in those days, the Flames players, uh, from their dressing room to get onto the ice, they had to go up about 10 steps. So. Uh, that was, uh, you know, kind of a unique building with its uh, media entry in the back, three, uh, gate three and a half, which always gets a laugh from uh, from people in the uh, sports business back in those days. Yeah, that's funny, absolutely, and what a legendary building. But you know, it's funny. We're I'm watching the game. You know, we just came back from Detroit, and I, I think that's the great, that's the nicest building I've ever been in. The new one, you 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 wouldn't have seen the new one, but it it's got all the bells and whistles, but also a brilliant nod to the old Olympia and Joe Louis. And it, it, it's it's just such a it's a perfectly built building, I would say. Uh, but the press box is still, I mean, you're right over top of the action, but it's a little too high up. It really is a tough vantage point to watch the game. And it just made me realize in talking to other guys that are still doing this, I think the Saddle Dome is, provides the best perch in the National Hockey League right now in, in terms of a vantage point uh, for the games. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, there's no question about that comment that you just made, Eric, is that I, my last year that I broadcast, I, I, for the last few years, actually, that I broadcast, I always felt the Saddle Dome had the best play-by-play location in, in the entire NHL. Uh, you know, it has that overhang and uh, gets you right, you know, really in a perfect position to call a game. You're right up uh, over the uh, over the crowd and over the ice and a great vantage point to, to watch uh, the games from. Uh, you know, another building that I really like broadcasting games from, you mentioned Detroit there. I, I have never been in that new building that you're talking about, but I remember broadcasting uh, Toronto Maple Leaf games when I, as I started my NHL career back in the late 70s, uh, broadcasting out of the old arena in uh, Detroit, the Olympia Stadium. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a real interesting place. Had a great broadcast location but it was a really old, old building and had, it, had some pretty good atmosphere. Also, it was in a rather dangerous part of town. I remember <laughs> one night after a game, we are going to go to the arena going into the bus, and there were some shots being fired in our direction. So that was, that was kind of a scary point at yeah. one particular time. But that's going way back in Detroit when they had the old Olympia, which uh, precedes uh, the Joe Lewis Arena, which precedes the building that's there today. Amazing how they've gone through three buildings in that time. That's right. We're still stuck in the same one. Anyway, we won't get into that today, but they, it's amazing, Peter, and you may have seen this too, that they've taken the original sign from the Olympia and they've embedded it in the new arena uh, in Detroit now, the Little Caesars, it, and it's just a brilliant tribute, and they've got the Gordie Howe statue and Alex Del Vecchio. And it, it, there's just so much great history there, and they've done such a wonderful job uh, honoring it. And it, it is 
amazing to go through. And you would remember these sort of moments too, especially since you, you worked with Daryl and, and Brian and, and Brent and all, all the Sutters. But when we were in Buffalo the other day, Daryl just – we chatted with Daryl for about 15 minutes, or just him and I, and I think Ryan Leslie was there. And we're just looking at the old wall of fame and the old coaches and the old players and the old photos. And, man, that, that really gets Sutter's juices flowing. Like, he just loves that history because he was a part of it. And, and so were you. You must love that, too, when you went to the old buildings and just saw the old tributes and old black-and-white photos like we used to see over at the corral here. Yeah, no, no question about that. That that reminds me of an interesting time. You mentioned the old auditorium there in uh, in Buffalo back in the day when Bob Johnson was uh, coaching the uh, coaching the Flames. Uh, he had a he was a very very superstitious guy, and one superstition he had is that if the uh, Flames were on a winning streak, uh, we had to go to the same location every time to do our coaches show that we would do every day on the you know the morning of the game. And on this particular time, the Flames were. Uh, we're on a pretty good winning streak, and Bob had this thing going up to the 33rd row of seats. And, of course, in the auditorium, those the old odd there in Buffalo, those seats were rather uh, rather um, shaky to go up. And so we went up there, and I said to Bob, I said to Bob after we did one of them, uh, not that I want to have had anything bad happen to the Flames, but I hope this winning streak ends soon so we can go back <laughs> to another spot to do the coach's show. So, yeah. That was a... And that was and Bob was another guy that had his superstitions were crazy. The most popular spot we did the coaches show was in the uh, with him was in the saddle dome uh, just outside the boiler room. <laughs> oh <laughs> god! Because the flames always seemed to get a win when we did the coaches show there. So oh, that's it was, fun. Uh, uh, <laughs> sometimes you'd have to go sit on the zamboni to do the show. So. Oh my lord! I love it. I love it. Uh, <laughs> as if he needs an introduction, his name is Peter Marr, legendary voice of the Calgary Flames Hall of Famer. In a whole bunch of different Hall of Fames, from coast to coast, it seems like. And uh, just uh, thankful that you, you join us today for the full hour. And uh, the fan feedback line is lighting up, 960-960. If anybody has questions or comments for Peter Marr. And uh, I wanted to ask you about, I, I do want to get your thoughts on the current team, but we're going to do that in a little bit. I, I want to ask you about making the transition from, you know, a member of the media to someone who's just strictly has no skin in the game and you're just a fan. Uh, because I had Grant Pollock on last week, and he talked about how that was a really interesting change for him to to watch a game without, you know, like, look, oh, oh, so-and-so's got, uh, there's a new line formed, or, you know, they're they're doing something differently, or this event in the game. Just enjoying it for being a fan. Was that a hard transition for you? Uh, Yeah, in the beginning it was a little bit of that, yeah, because you get to the game and, you 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 know, you'd be up there and think you can – you're supposed to be broadcasting the game, and of course you're just watching it. And it was—it's been interesting when I go to the games. A lot of times now, uh, where I go to watch the games, there's an alumni room upstairs there, and uh, I go up there, and it, it intermingles with a whole bunch of fans that are there. And frequently, I'll get the question while I'm watching the game. They'll say to me, "Now, when you're watching the game, you're still doing the play-by-play in your mind." And I said, "Oh no, I'm just watching the game now to see what oh, else good. is going on in the ice." Because when you do play-by-play, uh, you keep your your eye on the puck the entire time so a lot of times you don't see some of the things that happen behind the scenes so I kind of watched out for for that uh, type of uh, situation when I'm watching games now a lot of times when we're up there it's kind of a social time too because 
a lot of former players are up there, and so we're chatting, and fans are coming over and asking us questions and, and that sort of thing. So uh, certainly, and you know, you enjoy that interaction with the people that uh, that uh, that are up there watching the game with you, and you know, some of them will come over and ask for autographs and that sort of thing, which we don't mind doing. And uh, yeah. it, you know, it's it will, but it was different in the, you know the first year uh, when I go to the dome to watch a game. It was really really different not having to go up into the, the broadcast booth there where uh, where Derek Wills and Peter Labardius uh, go uh, on a game flame games nights and and uh, that type of thing but after a while he kind of used to the fact that yeah I'm just a fan now at the building and the flames that score would cheer with all the rest of the crowd there what do people ask you you, you get recognized all over and have for your entire life here in Calgary what, what do people what are they curious about when when they meet you and they get a chance you know their eyes are big and they want an autograph or a photo what's what are the kind of questions they ask you well they'll ask me what some of my highlights were their highlight was from my uh, broadcast career uh, a lot of them will ask me what some of the preparation is that I would do to get ready for a uh, for a game and uh, you know things uh, things like that uh, you know they um they, uh, a lot of times I could be in, at the game or, or somewhere else and until I talk. <laughs> that's when I mostly get recognized because people can recall my voice as opposed yeah. to have been broadcast on radio. I didn't uh, see my, my face didn't get on the radio. But, uh, you know, I'd be in a store somewhere and I'll be, you know, I'll be standing in line to, you know, check out at a counter or something and then I'll end up saying a word or two and that'll uh, often that'll turn to people's heads and they'll turn to me and say, are you? You, Peter Marr, and I said, "Yeah, that's me." <laughs> you know, uh, sometimes it's my voice that gives me away, and I've often said, "Well, if I shut up, nobody'd know who I was." So uh, that's always a little bit of fun when uh, when those things that go on. But you know, when you think back on it, you know, it was um, I used to do the dressing room experience uh, before Flame Games, going back uh, when we stopped when COVID started, uh, and a lot of fans would come in there and they would come up to me and. Uh, as I was in there with a former Flame player, would be entertaining the crowd there. And uh, after it was over, we opened up for questions. And a lot of people would come over and they would say to me, you know, I grew up listening to you. And uh, and they talk about being in the car with their dad, going somewhere, and the yeah, radio was yeah. always on. And, you know, you, you think back that in the in the, in the uh, 80s and in the, uh, you know, most of the 90s, uh, the games, not all the hockey games were on television. Now no. every game is on TV. Back in those days, sometimes there were only... 35 games on, on TV or 40. So radio was the only way to uh, find out what was going to happen on a, um, you know, on a, on a, as it happens basis for half of those uh, hockey games. So, uh, you know, you forget about that now, but you know, those were things when people would say that to me, they grew up listening to it, bring back the members. Yeah, that's right. A lot of games were not, uh, we're not on uh, television. Radio was the only spot uh, to listen. Yeah, absolutely. So to an interesting situation. Just uh, going to mention something in a sec here. Thought I'd better take a drink of water. <laughs> so uh, that, that reminds me. This year is this is the 40th anniversary of the year that Lanny McDonald set the uh, the uh, Flames record for 60 to his 66 goals that he scored. And I'll never forget the night that he scored his 50th goal of that season. Uh, that was a game in Buffalo. You talk about the old auditorium there in, in Buffalo. Uh, it, was, it was a game there, and uh, it was not a television game. And so Lanny was going into the game with 49 goals, and, of course, a lot of excitement about the fact that he was on the cusp of getting his uh, 50th goal of the, that season. So Doug Barkley and I get up into the broadcast booth, and we're getting set to uh, broadcast that game. And then we find out we've got some uh, technical problems, and uh, the engineer that we had there couldn't get us on the air right away. 
And so I'm, I'm sitting there with Doug, and we're we're not calling the game. The game's already started, and we get thinking, "Gee, I hope Lenny doesn't score here while we're <laughs> while we're uh, not on the air." Because back in Calgary, the time then was about five o'clock, so it was time when a whole lot of car radios uh, would have been on, and there was no television. I say of the game, so uh, we we missed about the first half of the first period as a result of the uh, problems we were having there. And fortunately, Lenny waited until the second period to score that goal, and uh, we were yeah. able to give it to the fans as it as it happened. Happened. So I'll never forget that night in the old auditorium there in uh, in Buffalo. You know, Peter, you, you're so funny. You know, you sit here and you say you're just a fan now and you're not thinking as a broadcaster, but the fact that you just cited that it's the 40th anniversary of that just tells me that there's the, the mind is still churning as a broadcaster, and I love that. You can't yeah. get it out of you. I absolutely love that. The, yeah, uh, and the interesting part of all that was that Lanny, that year that Lanny got his 66 goals, he scored 42 of those goals in the old corral. That was the final year that the Flames played in uh, in the corral. So what's uh, another little interesting tidbit about that great year that Lanny had? I have an idea. I, I wanna I wanna take you and Peter Labardius, the two men with steel trap minds who can remember the minutia of this organization and NHL's history. Uh, like no other, and I want a, a head-to-head competition. We'll sell tickets for charity and see if anyone can stump either one of you. I, I'm going to follow up on that. I'm telling you, that's a good idea. I just had that. Oh, uh, that would be exciting to do that, especially if it's for the charity that's going to benefit from it. So well, yeah, listen, I think Peter might win, but we'll see. <laughs> that's, hey, it'll, we'll have fun trying, right? That's actually a great yeah. idea. There you go. My next charity hot stove. Make sure you get some older people there so we go back. Back into the years. <laughs> we'll we'll do the old stuff and then some of the new stuff. Maybe Pete has a little bit of advantage of, on you, but uh, that, you know what? There it is. Uh, We're making that happen. We're having the uh, charity hot stove. My next one's going to be with you. I don't know. We'll have Lou. Uh, we'll we'll figure out an all star panel. We'll raise money for Kids Sport Calgary. And I know you've always been so good at raising money. Uh, you're one of the people who who you know I learned from osmosis by that it's a, so important to, to use your platform to give back and in that vein I've got a you know the text line 960 960 people wanting to weigh in and someone says um, uh, Peter helped us raise money up in sundry back in the 90s for our aquatic center and Jim here say thanks to him again it's been in operation now for 22 years from Dale uh, that's got to feel wow, good when I've, you think about that. 22 years it's been yeah, going. Yeah, wow, I'd kind of forgotten about that that event, those events that we had up there. Yeah, that's great. And it's still going strong at 21 years. That's amazing. Awesome. Wow. I love it. Okay, so, so. as you're on the air here, my phone's lighting up. Kelly Rudy's sent me a note saying he's loving the conversation. Craig Conroy sends in with a question. Ask him if he's ever called a game flat on his back up in the press box. <laughs> <laughs> Pat Steinberg liked that one too. You remember that one? Yes, and Craig was the reason. <laughs> so Craig was not the reason for it, but he, he was the guy that came to the rescue. Yeah, that was a game in uh, Minnesota. The Flames were playing the uh, Wild, and uh, and um, the, um, the the the, the uh, it goes going give me a little history on that. In that building in in uh, in St. Paul, there, Minnesota, I always told the media relations guy. Uh, for the uh, wild back then, that they put the um, the writers in in a different in the wrong position. They had the writers were in front of the broadcaster, so when the writers would um, you know have their computer on and put the screen up, 
uh, sometimes it would block the uh, view of the uh, oh. of, of, of what was happening on the ice. Those so in this particular uh, game, uh, I think there was about a minute or so left to go, and the game was tied, and there was a face-off in the flame zone. It was to the glove side of uh, Mika Kiprasov, and um, uh, it was Wes Gilbertson put the uh, screen up on his uh, computer to do work, obviously, but it blocked my view of the net. So I stood up so I could see the face off and see the net as well. So anyway, the puck got dropped and the uh, the um, shot off the draw missed the net. And then the play went the other way. And when the play went the other way, for some reason, I decided I was going to sit down. And uh, as I went to sit down, I actually nudged the chair that had wheels on it. And so that went backwards and I fell down <laughs> on the uh, right down on the floor and almost hit my head on the back of the uh, oh. uh, the podium that was behind us where our engineer was operating from. So I was fortunate I didn't hit that. And here I am down on the floor. Of course, Conroy and the other flame uh, people are on the booth right next to us. So they, they hear the thought of me going down. And Craig comes running in wondering what's happening. And he comes in, and here I am on the floor doing the play-by-play, although I couldn't see the play at that particular time. <laughs> but for a couple of seconds there, I was able to make do and then get back up and start calling the game again with some help from uh, Craig and uh, Mike Rogers getting me back on my feet. But, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was an interesting uh, that was an interesting situation that night. Uh, that's the that's only great. time that it was on, on my back broadcasting a hockey game. That's Fortunately, it was only for a few seconds. Yeah, you don't hear about that technique, but good for you. you I, I leave it to you to pull it off. I absolutely love it. Uh, and there was another gonna... time here in the saddle. Okay. Another time in the saddle dome, if you don't mind me getting off. <laughs> yeah, mentioning that. This is the time that I was brought. I still to this day don't know how it happened. Uh, the Flames were, uh, Flames were playing somebody, and it was in the first period. And I stood up for some reason, and I hit my head on the beam that is just over where we broadcast from. And, you know, it's been often when I stood up there, but I never hit it before. But this particular time, it, I did hit my head, and um, the blood was flowing on my head. Oh. And I'm still doing the play-by-play of the game. <laughs> and Tim, who's still operating, I think, for uh, for Derek and uh, Peter, he yeah. rushed to get a paper towel to put it on my head so I could keep broadcasting so the blood wouldn't get down on my face and interfere and that type of thing. So that was another interesting time when uh, and eventually uh, Tim was able to get things all cleared up and uh, was able to continue on with the uh, broadcast sitting down again. And then it was interesting, as we got ready to start the second period, Al Coates, who was with the Flames at the, at the time, uh, general manager, he came up and he had a helmet for me to wear for the rest of the game. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, with friends like that, eh? Who needs enemies? I love it. Who <laughs> needs enemies, yeah. That is so good. But Listen, to this day, I don't know how that happened, because I, that was the only time I ever hit my head on that beam after broadcasting games up there for 30 years. So. Wow. Wow, that's interesting. Okay, we're going to take a break, but we're coming right back with Peter Marr. Uh, keep those uh, those questions, the comments coming on the fan feedback line, 960, 960. Lots of stuff to get back into. I've got so many questions for you, including your thoughts on the current team. But, uh, you know, mostly I love this trip down memory lane, and people are enjoying it too, according to the fan feedback line and uh, according to Conroy and, uh, and Kelly Rudy. So uh, the Eric Francis Show, we do this every Monday at noon to one. It's all about storytelling, and we've got one of the very best here for the next half hour. It's brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has an $83 million positive economic impact in Calgary annually. Visit thehorses.com, 18 plus. Please play responsibly. We'll be right back with the legend, Peter Marr. Your number one spot for Flames coverage can be found on Flames Talk with me, Pat Steinberg. Exclusive interviews, trusted insiders, and the latest news. Listen live weekday afternoons at 4 or stream the Flames Talk podcast on demand.
This is the Eric Francis Show, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, we continue on with Peter Marr, and uh, he's coming at us from the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar hotline. NHL trade deadline day coverage on Sportsnet 960 is brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take out or delivery at 403-248-3344. Okay, Peter, uh, so many uh, questions, comments from people uh, that I want to throw at you. But, you know, one thing I've always – I'm not sure I've, I, I've either forgotten about it or I'm, I'm not sure I ever know, knew, but two of your signatures, yeah, baby, and you can put it in the win column. Tell me the origins of both of those. Well, yeah, baby started uh, Eric um, in 1986, and it was uh, it was the um, Flames playoff series against the Edmonton Oilers, and of course that's a memorable one because uh, the Flames ultimately won it. And what uh, transpired there was that the morning of the sixth game, which was going to be played in the Saddle Dome, uh, the Flames, of course, have led the series three games to two. So if they won the game that night. Uh, they'd win the series, and that would be a major, major upset considering the Oilers had finished, I think it was 38 points ahead of the Flames during the the regular season. But anyway, after the uh, morning skate that day, uh, I leaving the saddle, I'm getting into my car and driving uh, driving home to get uh, prepared for the game. Uh, I had There was no sports radio in those days, and so no, very little talk radio as well, so I was listening to music. And one of the songs on there, and I forget the name of the song, but they were yelling, yeah, baby, in the background. And so I got thinking to myself, well, if the Flames win tonight, maybe I'll yell that. And uh, as it turned out, the Flames didn't win that night. The Oilers uh, won that game, and that sent the series back to uh, Edmonton for the uh, for the seventh game. And uh, of course, the Flames won that game three-two on a on a goal by uh, by uh, Perry Barazan. Um, it actually went in off of uh, the, the Steve Smith passing it out in front of his own net and went off a of Grant Fuhrer into the goal. And that goal made it 3-2 for the Flames. And then uh, the Oilers still had about eight minutes or so left to try and tie it. And then they had a face-off in the Flame zone with about um, with about four or five seconds left to go in the uh, in the third period. And the uh, Oilers won the draw. And Yari Curry shot, just missed the Flame net. And as that happened, too, shortly after that, the horn sounded to end the game. And that's when I yelled out, yeah, baby, uh, for the first time. And uh, another comment that I made initially, yeah, baby, was the Flames have climbed the mountain. Because that was the signature that uh, comments that Bob Johnson would mention, who was the Flame coach at the time, uh, feeling that beating the Oilers was climbing the mountain. And so uh, that's where that started. And it uh, got such popularity that... Uh, I continued at any time the Flames did something uh, major. Now, a lot of people wanted me to say, yeah, yell, yeah, baby, more frequently than I did, but I reminded them that it's only for important events. So if a guy got a – actually, you had to get a four-goal game back in those days to uh, to get a yeah, baby out of me. Uh, <laughs> and then later on, I reduced to, uh, to a hat trick. Uh, by a player or something significant that happened uh, by the uh, by the flame so it really it really caught on a lot in the uh, 0 run 0 4 run that the flames had that of course took them to the right to the Stanley Cup final in game 7 against uh, Tampa and i think if they'd have won that game uh, 6 which i think they did win but they didn't count the goal uh, there might have been a, a, a whole huge number of uh, succession yells of yeah baby so uh, mm-hmm. that's where that one started the other one was uh, uh, one year during the off season, 
after the flame season ended, I was in Florida on, uh, on a bit of a vacation, and I was listening to one of the baseball games there that was being played and at the end of the game. I forget who the announcer was, but uh, the team that he was broadcasting for, I think it was the Chicago Cubs, and he made the comment after, you can put it in the win column. And I said, well, I think I'm going to take that uh, for any future games that the Flames win. So uh, that became the, the call that I would make after a Flame victory from that time on. So I believe that was might have been, I don't know, might have been 2000 or somewhere in that vicinity that I started out with that one. I love it. Uh, we're talking to Peter Marr, and uh, he's got all these great stories. And thanks, everyone, for their feedback on the fan feedback line, 960-960. Uh, I want to read one of them here right now because I think this is uh, really cool. Um, hey, Eric, I don't know if you can tell Peter this, but my name is Conrad, and I'm a broadcasting steward at Mount Royal. Peter Marr was one of my big influences of getting into the broadcasting industry. I now have done several games in the AJHL as a play-by-play person, and I would not have gotten here without Peter's influence. That, that's that got to feel nice to hear stuff like that. And it's not Yeah, that's very, time. very nice to hear that. Yes. Wow. Wow. Well, go have uh, have great success with that, Conrad. And if I can be of any help to you, let me know. Um, I, I do that occasionally now. There's some young broadcasters that somehow found my email address or found a way to get in touch with me. And uh, I would uh, tune into some other games online and uh, do a little bit of a um, critique for them and uh, pass that along. So, um, yeah, I'm delighted to hear that uh, Conrad is doing some games and uh, attributing some of that to listening to me as he was uh, growing up. So continue on, Conrad, and all the best with it. That's awesome. How about old broadcasters? Could you help me? Uh, maybe tune into one of my shows. You can give me some point. We'll talk about that off the air. <laughs> I, I got one here from, you know, Daryl Moyer uh, over the yes, Stampeders. Yeah, yeah. He says, yeah. uh, great show. Peter's the best. If you have a chance, please, please ask Peter about his short stint calling Stampeder games in the 80s. I'm pretty sure I may have been playing, he says. Thanks, Daryl. Yes, Daryl was playing indeed. That was one season. Uh, that was the year that uh, – the radio broadcast rights went from the station that Ken Newens was broadcasting the uh, the uh, uh, Stampeder games on, and I went to um, QR, and um, they it was just a one-year contract that they had for the rights, and at the time, uh, I was doing Flame games as well, and so the radio station manager at the time uh, came to me and asked me if I um, would do the football games. And at the time, I was a little bit hesitant about it because they'd never done uh, football in, at any time in the, in the past, although I had a little bit of knowledge, but not a lot, of uh, the uh, game. Uh, but um, uh, I, you know, I decided I would say, yes, we'll do it for the year, one year, and if it goes further than that, then we'll have a look at it again. So, yeah, I did, uh, I did uh, that St. Peter's game that year, and there were some real interesting uh, situations there that, uh, that I had to deal with. Uh, one in particular one was uh, we had a flame game here on a Saturday night at the uh, Saddle Dome. I believe that game was against Boston. And so at the end of that game, I went to the airport, caught the red-eye flight to Toronto uh, for a Stampeder game that was going to be played the next afternoon uh, starting at, at 1 o'clock. So I got there at 7 or 8 in the morning in Toronto and then uh, uh, eventually got to the football stadium and, uh, and called that game. And then I rushed to the airport and uh, got on another flight to uh, go to Winnipeg because the Flames were playing a game that night in Winnipeg. So, <laughs> And uh, I remember as I was sitting on, on the flight with a passenger that was next to me, I was, uh, he mentioned to me, you know, uh, he noticed I was doing some homework for the hockey game uh, while I was sitting in my seat, and he asked me what I was doing. So I told him, well, I'm doing this because we've got a hockey team to broadcast in Winnipeg. 
in a little bit of time here once we arrived and then I just did a football game in Toronto and he said he said you know he said I had I just recently had a, a heart attack doing too much <laughs> he said to me you be very careful young man <laughs> good so, advice <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah we got there just in time to uh just in time to call the, the flame game as that got started but after the game was over I went back to the hotel and it didn't take me long to go to sleep I can tell you that that night so yeah, yeah that was a real fun uh, t- that was a real fun time uh, calling uh stan peter games but uh as I say, it was um, you know it was uh, and there were two or three other occasions that were somewhat similar to that. So it was a lot of uh, a lot of taxing time there with uh, getting on time for all the games. So we managed to make all the hockey games and all the football games that one year. And then the next year, I believe the station uh, the broadcast rights for the Stampeders went back to uh, the station Ken Newins was with. It's so funny you mentioned Ken Newins. Uh, I'm going to have him on very soon here and. Uh... Oh, he'd have some great stories. He's yeah. got some great stories. I love noodles. And, 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 you know, that's a name that a lot of our younger listeners, of course, are not familiar with, but uh, some great stories. And, you know, I'm such a big fan of, you know, I've spent 30 years chronicling the history of this, of this great sports town. And, you know, I feel privileged to have worked with people like you and noodles and learned from guys like Billy Powers as well. And the list goes on and on, but, mm-hmm. Even if the young people are like, well, I don't care what an old guy has to say, like me <laughs> or you, uh, I still think it's so important to tell the stories because that's, uh, that's, that's what we do for a living, right? So uh, Mike Lonsbro is my guest next week. Uh, on the show, and Mike's right. got so many great stories. It is such a character. Yeah, he'll have some good dandies. Yep, yep. And, and we had Grant <laughs> Pollock on last I should week. mention, Eric, if you don't mind, uh, Mike Lachick was my color commentator then. He was a former football player in the CFL and also a coach at the University of uh, Calgary. And I have to get his name in here because without his help, I don't know if he would have been able to broadcast all those games. He had such great knowledge of the game of football. I basically just called the plays, and then he would jump in and analyze the whole thing. Yeah. Good. You do the nuts and bolts and let him fill it in with the color. That's awesome. Yeah, I, yeah he was Pete, very good. Pete, when I think of you, I, I, honest to God, the first thing that comes to my mind is a, a, a day that was significant in this organization's history that I don't think you know you would think about or, or anybody else. But when Jerome McGinley was traded, the very next day he had a press conference. And you stood up at the end of that press conference and you said – some most some of the most beautiful words to Jerome McGinley, so much so that and guys bug me to this day. I got teary. I just thought it was so touching what you said. I thought it was so appropriate. Take me back to that day, and do you remember what you said to Jerome and, and share it with people? Yeah, I, yeah, I remember sitting there at that uh, news conference and um, and thinking to myself, you know, Jerome has been so good to the fans of Calgary and so good to we members of the media in all those years that he's been here. I, I would like to, you know, issue a bit of a thank you to him here. But and then I debated, well, I'm a media guy, maybe that wouldn't sound so good. And then then I decided, no, I'm going to do it. So uh, I get up, and that's what it basically uh, what I did. I, I thank Jerome for all of the great times that. Uh, that he gave the fans here with outstanding play of hockey, but also his availability uh, in uh, being around the fans and around young people and, and all that sort of thing, and also how much he helped the, uh, the our media people. I mean, he was always available, win or oh, lose. Yeah. Jerome was always available. So, I, you know, I yeah. just thought it was uh, something that needed to be mentioned in that type of uh, setting, and uh, certainly uh, Jerome seemed to uh, really appreciate the fact that I uh, mentioned that at that time. And, you know, it, it, Jerome is such an amazing guy. I mean, I, I can remember in 04, 
the night after the Flames beat uh, San Jose in Game 6 to win that series, uh, by the time we signed off from the radio broadcast, uh, I was going out into the uh, parking lot where, the, where, uh, where I parked my car, and uh, uh, this was about an hour, an hour and a half after the game was over, and there was Jerome in the middle of the parking lot. It was raining, and he was, there were a bunch of young fans there that he was signing autographs for. And he was not only signing autographs, but he was also asking them how they were doing in school and, and all that uh, type of thing, and uh, he took time for all of that, even though it was a night to be celebrating. I'm sure he caught up with the rest of his teammates after, but I, I never forget that that evening when he was out there in the rain signing those autographs and uh, asking questions of those young guys that were there. Yeah, that that was Jerome in a nutshell. But, you know, going back to what you had said in that post-game or in that press conference, you know, I, I, I think people understand that, like, when a press conference ends, like, people don't clap, people don't stand up. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. and people certainly don't kind of punctuate it with the type of words that you offered up that day. But as the elder statesman and, and you know, and the guy we all look up to, and, and I don't know, it was just so appropriate and, 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 and perfect that you did that. And uh, it really set me off. I'll never forget. I had tears in my eyes. I don't know why. I just, it, I think it was also because yeah. I felt really old. I remember covering Jerome. You know, I'd gone out to meet him in Kamloops <laughs> when they traded for him. And suddenly his long career was over here in Calgary. I just felt old. And, and I'll never forget Roly Sear coming up to me right afterwards. And he goes, and I didn't think anyone could see that I had a, a tear or two in my eye. And Rolly Sear comes up to me and says, there's no crying in hockey. <laughs> so, so thanks for embarrassing me, Pete. But anyway, it was beautiful. So great moment. Leave it to Rolly to come up with a comment like that. Yeah, That's right. That's right. Uh, we're talking to Peter Barr. We've got uh, another 10 minutes left of great, great time with Peter Barr. we got to do this again uh, soon, my friend. So thank you for uh, spending your time with me and, and, and the people in the city as you did for so many years. I, I want to ask you about the five-goal uh, game by Joe Newendike. You know, is that is that the greatest, you know, uh, athletic feat you'd ever seen? Maybe here at the dome, and and but also, was that did that uh, precede the the offering of a million dollars for five goals? Like nobody won a million dollars that night, did they? No, we didn't have that. We didn't have that promotion at that uh, particular time. Mm-hmm. And uh, but you know that that reminds me of. Um, you mentioned Joe. Joe did that twice, I believe, uh, five goals in a game. But both of them were before we had, uh, you know, a fan or a shopper uh, getting a million dollars. But yeah. I, uh, we had another time in uh, in um, in Phoenix, in the old building in Phoenix, where the Coyotes used to play when they first uh, moved there. Uh, Jerome scored four goals there one night. And um, and then in the third period, I think the score, I think he scored all the goals for the Flames on that night. They were ahead. I believe it was 4-3, and, or it might have been 5-4, maybe somebody else got one of the other goals. But anyway, the goalie was pulled for uh, the Coyotes, and Jerome got the puck at one point. He shot it down the ice, and he just missed the net. And if he scored there as fifth goal, then we would have had a guy win a million dollars. But the interesting aspect of that is that if, if Jerome had put that in the net and I would have announced there that so-and-so had just won a million dollars thanks to Jerome McGinnis scoring the goal, uh, I wouldn't, I, it would not have counted because back in those days, the game also had to be on television in order for it to count for the five, uh, five goals for, uh, for a uh, million dollars. And so um, nobody had ever told me that situation until after that fact. So, um, 
in 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 hindsight, I was glad that I didn't that he didn't score that goal because somebody would have been after me saying that I owed him a million dollars. So it was, uh, <laughs> that was really a strange one. But that was one of the little little uh, small print there that was in on that one. That the game also had me on TV, and that uh, game and that particular night was not on television. Uh, back to Calgary. So it was, interesting. So these are all little things that you go along that. Uh, that you uh, reminisce about and, and have a beneficiary of that uh, is interesting. You know, also, I believe it was 12 years ago today that the Flames played the outdoor game at, yes, uh, at McMahon Stadium. <laughs> and that was one of the hardest games that I ever mm-hmm. had to broadcast. Uh, so far away. Of our, we were up at the broadcast location where, you know, where the broadcasters are for the, for the Stampeders, which is way up on top. And um, I remember going there about a week before they played that game. I just want to see what the sight lines would be from uh, from up there. And so uh, I went up there and uh, looked down. And they, at that time, they were putting the boards up to where the hockey games were going to be played. And I said, um, "Yeah, that looks okay. I don't. I think I'm going to be able to handle things from here." Because I was asked at the time if I wanted to put up a big TV monitor up in our broadcast location uh, that for that game. And I told them at the radio station, "No, this is fine. It should be okay." And then yeah. they had the Davy. Before we had the uh, alumni game, the Flames alumni playing against the uh, Canadians alumni, had no difficulty uh, calling that game. But then the day the Flames played the Canadians in the real game, 12 years ago today, Flames, the uniforms the Flames had on made it difficult to read the numbers yeah. from that distance uh, from the ice, and you couldn't pick out the players' other uh, movements either from that from that distance. So it was a real challenge uh, that day trying to call the game. Uh, especially identifying the flame players, but I was able to get it to a point where uh, where I was able to call the uh, call the game and, and the fact that the Flames won four nothing. And the game, the thing that stands out the most for me was how outstanding Mika Kiprasov played in the Flame net. I think he made thirty eight or forty saves in that game to uh, get the shutout. And I believe yeah. that time it was the first ever shutout in an outdoor uh, game by a goaltender uh, in the NHL. So, uh, yeah, that game was a real tough one for me to broadcast. No question about that. You know, and since then, I don't know if you've noticed this, I was at the outdoor game last year in Nashville, of all things, and uh, they've got the the numbers are now, for most part, they're massive. I think just for people like you, for the broadcasters, because they know that they're broadcasting from so far away, the numbers are huge on every jersey for these outdoor games now, and that's – so that they don't have to go through the strife you did uh, that day. Yeah, it was interesting that day because I could I could get the Montreal numbers, but not the Calgary ones because of the the different uniforms they were wearing, and the, ones, the numbers yeah. kind of clashed uh, with the with the jersey sweater uh, coloring, and and the sun was shining at times, and later they had the lights on. So, yeah, that yeah. I, I well recall that game. So. Uh, we got a note here from uh, Brandon here in Calgary. Hey, Pete, I was 12 years old and a diehard Red Wings fan in 04. Game six overtime went past my bedtime, and my mom made me go to bed. I pulled out my AM radio and listened to the call lying in my bed. Uh, your overtime call of Jelena sinking Detroit will forever haunt me. I'm 31 and still not over that series. You're the reason I love sports broadcasting. And I read that one, Pete, because when I was a kid, I, you know, I, I would go to bed listening to a transistor radio. I grew up in Toronto, and I would listen to the, the Buffalo games or the Leaf games with a transistor radio under my pillow. And when I'd wake up, my mom would come wake me up in the morning or my father, and the radio would still be on a little bit, and so I'd be busted. But I think, you know, who was you? Did you have someone like that when you were younger? Like, were you listening to Foster Hewitt? Not when you were really younger, but, you know, later in life at all? 
Well, yeah, no, I was listen. To, I'd listen to uh, like I grew up in New Brunswick, Campbell, New Brunswick is my hometown, and uh, I'd watch games on on television, and it would be uh, would be Foster and uh, Danny Gallivan would be the guys that uh, I grew up listening to on a on a you know a real lengthy basis, and then I, some nights I would tune in on the radio. Uh, you could get the uh, the radio station that was broadcasting games out of Boston, so I would listen to some of the Bruin games uh, uh, on the on the radio uh, back in those days. But uh, more more uh, it was Foster and uh, Danny that were the two guys that I listened to most frequently back in those days. I don't have any recall of uh, the situation that Brandon had or you had back in those days of having to go to bed and hide to hide over the cover under the covers to listen to a game. But yeah. uh, the, that was real interesting, Brandon. And I should tell you that. That goal that uh, Marty Jalonet scored that night, uh, which allowed the Flames to defeat Detroit and win that uh, playoff series in hugely upset fashion, uh, that to me was the game that put me in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, And I've always said to Marty, I said, Marty, you put me in the Hall of Fame. And, of course, he just says, no, 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 you put yourself in there. But that particular goal, at that year in the playoffs were on ESPN, the uh, television network in the U.S., uh, they had each week they would run the top three highlights uh, of the uh, NHL playoffs and the NBA playoffs. And that one, that goal by Marty, they played with my play-by-play of it, but they had the picture, of course, of, uh, off the television broadcast, but used the radio uh, broadcast. And that one was the number one call five weeks in a row. And you wouldn't believe how many phone calls I had from so many different radio stations in the United States to do interviews talking about that particular goal. So, And it was two years after that that uh, I got the call to go to the Hockey Hall of Fame and to be inducted in uh, Toronto. So, uh, yeah, that was a real great uh, memory, that goal that, uh, that, that was scored that uh, night, Brandon. Interesting. We've just got a couple minutes left, but I want your thoughts on the current team. Well, I thought they'd be doing a little bit better than, uh, or maybe a, well, more than a little bit better, I think, than they're they're doing. Uh, times they seem to be underperforming. Although they came up with a very strong game on Saturday, so hopefully they can build on that and uh, have a strong finish to the regular season and get themselves into the playoffs and then have themselves a, a good run there. I mean, I look at the team and uh, to me, you knew going in that they weren't going to score as many goals, but I thought they'd be a team that would play more. Uh, Daryl's style of play, and it, it kind of surprises me the number of times that they've given up leads in games. It's not just goal, leads by one goal, but two goals and three goals and that sort of thing. So uh, it's been a bit surprising that way, but uh, I still have confidence that they'll uh, bounce back and have themselves a good finish to the year and uh, get the team back into the playoffs and have a run going then. I agree with you. I do still think this team is going to make the playoffs. It hasn't been uh, anywhere close to the uh, – they haven't lived up to the expectations that have been uh, thrust upon them with their summer of activity. But, uh, I, uh, you know, we're all waiting for that turnaround. Maybe that turnaround game happened on Saturday. Who knows? We'll find out as early as uh, just over an hour from now uh, when they face off against the Philadelphia Flyers. Peter, you're an icon. You're a friend. You're a real treasure. And, and Calgary's so proud of you. And I thank you for spending an hour with me today sharing some stories. And, and, and I'm just going to ask you one more question. Can you promise to do this again with me very soon? Yeah, let's do that when I get back from uh, going down south here. So uh, when I come back from there, uh, we can do it again sometime after that. That'll be fine. Oh, be great. You had, you had to rub it in, eh? You're going down south. <laughs> we're about to have it. We're in the middle of a snowstorm, and you're well, going I, down I just, south. I just looked outside and saw the snow coming down. <laughs> yeah, I got to get out of here. <laughs> you deserve it. You get out of here, my friend. All right. Thanks so much, Peter. We'll talk again soon, my friend. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, Eric. Enjoy the game there this afternoon. Okay, thank you. There he is. The legendary Peter Marr, what a 
I mean, you don't hear his voice and not have a smile on your face. And I know all these people that are driving into the game right now just tuned in and thought, oh, my Lord, that's Peter Marr. I haven't heard that voice in a long time. This is great. I, I, and I, certainly the fan feedback line certainly appreciated hearing his voice again, and I know I sure, sure did. And we're going to do that again uh, real soon. There's so many stories that we didn't get to that I want to get to, but so many good ones that I didn't know about or I'd forgotten about that he shared with us. So, listen, this has been the Eric Francis Show. Next week we're going to have Mike Lonsborough on, speaking of great storytellers and, uh, and real characters. He's going to join us from noon till 1 o'clock next Monday right here on Sportsnet 960. The Eric Francis Show is brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has a $312 million positive impact in Alberta annually. Visit thehorses.com, 18+. plus. Please play responsibly. Stay tuned because Pat Steinberg and Eric uh, Steinberg and Aaron Vickers are going to have the uh, Flames pregame show puck drop just after 2 o'clock today. Happy Family Day, everybody. And thank you so much for listening to the Eric Francis Show.